This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Welcome to the Alstein Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John and this week we're talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, I hope everyone is doing well. This is the fifth installment in the Indiana Jones franchise. Indiana Jones is such a beloved franchise with such bangers. You've got Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. Last Crusade is my favourite. I love Last, yeah, Last Crusade. I agree, I agree. It's got so much heart, it's got so much adventure and lots of funny moments, but also there's a lot of emotion into it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Okay, so daredevil archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary dial that can change the course of history. Accompanied by his godfather, he soon finds himself squaring off against Jürgen Voller, a former Nazi who works for NASA. Fantastic. <laughs> what I find funny is that you said godfather instead of goddaughter, and now I'm imagining an Indiana Jones godfather crossover. Goddaughter, like, yeah, it's goddaughter. Like, we've, yeah. we've got to get the dial, and then and then it's just it's just <laughs> Don Corleone, like, well, we're gonna we're gonna get the dial for the for the. We gotta get the dial. Get the dial, listen. Yes. Yeah. Full spoilers. Yeah, so absolute full full list of the spoilers. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Not gonna lie, I enjoyed it. I saw your tweets, Tom, <laughs> last night. You said when you can fun. follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, in my opinion, I thought I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. It did have that magic for me when I was watching the film. I mean, I hope it's not the Star Bay or anything like that, because I really liked it. It had everything for me. I, I don't know what to say else with that. It's not the best out of the entire franchise. Personally, I think it's the same level for me on Crystal Skull. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you alluded to, you know, I wasn't huge on the movie, but I don't think I'm too negative about it. Like, I think at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I wasn't, like, hitting my head and, like, you know, being like, why? The whole time, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is fun. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things that I thought was really telling about this movie, something yeah. that I really liked about it, was the comedy. Not necessarily that the comedy was funny all the time. There were definitely moments where I thought, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is great. You know, I was laughing out loud. But I just think it's the fact that the comedy was so effortless. If we compare it to The Flash a couple of weeks ago, which was just so obviously trying to make us laugh every two seconds, and it was horrific. But oh, oh, in this, God, the comedy... It was com- god-awful. Oh my right? God. I yeah. do not remember that now. Please, Tom, please. <laughs> Please don't make me go back. But when you please, please. When we're talking about the Flash. You thought we were talking about Indiana Jones. We're talking about the Flash again. <laughs> but when it came to Indiana yeah. Jones, it didn't feel like it was trying to make me laugh. The comedy felt so seamless and effortless. There's something about this movie, almost like a swagger that it has, where it kind of un- oh, it kind yeah. of just does things with ease. It never felt like it was trying too hard at any point. And for that, I really applaud it because it's yeah. difficult. It is difficult to make a legacy sequel and not seem like you're constantly trying to bring up stuff from the past. You no, know, like not too I, much. I, 
your face. It's like yeah, and, and as you oh, said, it it's is not... a reference from the. <laughs> film. Whoa, yeah. whoa! Is that a massive whoa. ball that is gonna crush Indiana Jones? No. It... Yeah. In the trailers, there are a couple of moments where I'm like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be painful, and it wasn't. I, I think all that stuff is is really great and and refreshing because we get a lot of these kinds of sequels, and it can be really monotonous, even from Lucasfilm themselves. Something like Force Awakens is so like, hey, remember this? Remember that? Remember this? Remember that? Remember, th- remember this? Remember, remember, like, whereas this doesn't feel like that as much, even though there are obviously callbacks. Yeah, there was a lot of not too much in your face callbacks. You can see that in the opening in New York City. You know, you can look around in the apartment and see there's some callbacks to the early films. But yeah, I thought it was just really good, the, the comedy. Like, it wasn't, you know, forced. The jokes landed really well. My favourite was when Indy got the... It was like the retirement, not prize, like gift. Yeah, it was. A... <laughs> Congratulations, you won retirement. Here's oh, your prize. Oh yes, you won retirement. No, no, no. When Indy got the gift when yeah. he was about to retire from this university, and he looks at it, he's like, "It's such a Harrison Ford to do." He's like, looks at it, he's like, "Ah, oh, yes, uh, thank you, everybody." <laughs> and after that, he walks out and just gives that to a homeless person. He's like, "Hey, you want to?" <laughs> It's because it's just some random guy. It's like brilliant. Yeah. I love that there's almost a little bit of whiplash at the beginning of the movie because a lot has happened off screen. He's no longer the associate dean of the college. He's now in New York. No Mutt or Marion to be seen. We see that he's actually going to be separated from Marion. I feel like James Mangold came on and was like, yeah, let's, we're going to make the Logan of Indiana Jones here. We're going to make him sad and depressed and oh, grumpy Spider-Man. the whole time. We're going to give him the Spider-Man too. <laughs> Hell uh, yeah. At the beginning, I was very much like, oh, um, I'm not really sure what they're doing here. And I think the most interesting part of the movie is the fact that Indy has lost his family. I really like that angle. And there's a really great moment where he talks to Helena and he's kind of like, there's nothing left for me. And he tells her about what happened to Mutt. Mutt enlisted to make Indy pissed. And then he died in service. And then Indy didn't know how to handle his grief. And Marion was overcome with grief. And the two of them separated. Like, that is so interesting and so cool to explore. I wish it had more. I really wish that was a bigger part of the movie. Marion at the end only gets one scene. And I feel like that scene could have hit so much harder if they'd have given that kind of plot line more than like three scenes. Because obviously like in all the trailers and stuff, I was like, well, where's Mutt and Marion? Like what happened to Indy's happy ending from Crystal Skull? And they run with that. They run with the idea that that happy ending didn't last. But I would have liked them to kind of lean into that a little bit more. I think that was so fascinating. Yeah, not gonna lie, it came out of nowhere in the boat scene when Indy was talking to Helena about Mutt and it was kind of out of nowhere. Oh, okay. I kind of didn't know that because this was nearly to the third act and it was like, oh, okay, there's some stuff that Indy has been through, but I wish there was more that we could have seen that. Because I wish we could have seen that in the earlier scenes, like how much he is kind of struggling without them in New York. This is a completely different life. They make him a real old fart at the beginning of the movie. Like, he wakes up <laughs> just in his underwear. And yeah. he's just, like, in front of the TV, gets jotted awake by, I think it's the Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. Like, what a song to choose oh, there. yeah. And he gets jotted awake and he puts his wife Peter on. He gets a baseball bat and he's like, hurry, 
I told you to turn it down. That goddamn music. And like the whole time, it's like, it's funny that Crystal Skull acts like he's old because this is a whole different level. Like this is older than we've ever seen him ever before. <laughs> and I wish that they'd have lent into the idea of displacement in the 60s. If you look at Crystal Skull, which I think Crystal Skull is an amazing movie. I know that a lot of people aren't huge in it, but I think it's awesome. The 50s is just so integral to that movie it's all about mccarthyism and the red scare and like the thought of aliens and the 60s teenager and the greaser and you can tell that lucas and spielberg loved that feeling of americana and all that stuff and they brought it so much into the movie and and that's one of the things that i love the most I would say the 50s and the 60s in America are one of my favorite historical periods. There's so much there that there is to learn about with the Cold War and with civil rights and with, you know, like the space race and all this stuff. That's fascinating to me. But in this movie, they kind of don't really do much with the era. I feel like they really could have lent into the fact that this is a changed era for indie. And after the first act, I just didn't really feel that. We'll get to the ending, but the ending has him basically be like, ah, oh, I hate the present. I want to live here in, in what is it, like 400 BC? <laughs> It's like yes, it was a, it was a bit weird. I mean, he was shot. I he was. He was. He was. He was delirious. Yeah, he was delirious. It was like, oh my god, I need to stay in 400 BC with <laughs> Archimedes, and like it was so out of nowhere. What I really liked for the characterization for Indy in this whole film was, well, I mean, it was quite literal at the end with him. Like, he's stuck into the past, really. Like, he is clinging on to the fascination of exploration. And what I really liked was when he was trying to do this presentation towards a bunch of students in this uni lecture, and he was talking about the device, and everybody was so bored, and it was such a massive contrast (laughs) to the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where there was loads of students who were completely obsessed with the idea of history book, really, about Indiana Jones. It was a massive contrast because, you know, like, well, time is changing, really, and everybody was completely obsessed with the space race. I love the whole action scene. That was great. The idea of that, the visual idea of taking us to a big city, because in Indiana Jones, we've never really been to a big Western city before. And I really liked, you know, exploring that a little bit and and seeing that and the way that Indy's kind of getting taken away and he starts like a chant and he's on the horse. That was all really cool. And we kind of also have the idea that, you know, Vola is masquerading as Dr. Schmidt and he's, you know, pretending to be not a Nazi and he's helping make the space program. And I feel like they really could have lent into the fact that a lot of this stuff does kind of have weight to history and not just weight to the actual plot itself. I do think one of the really clever things that the film does is during that lecture, Indy talks about the battle, whether the Romans invade and Archimedes Uh, gives mirrors. And when you get the time traveling bit at the end, when you realize that that is what's happened and they've set up that earlier, they've given you an explanation of how the battle will go down. And so when you're in the battle, I thought that was really, really clever. Yeah, it was so clever. Uh, my favorite bit was when they go back in time with the whole plane shaking mm. in. Indy was realizing about there's a continental shift in time. You know, like, don't, don't you realize that there's going to be this massive, like, one degree angle could turn you back into some other place in time? Not going to lie. My thought came into my mind, like, what if they go back to the dinosaur age? <laughs> wow, and they meet Adam Driver, and yeah, it all becomes a crossover of oh 65. I wondered whether it would be like the Speed Force, where they'd travel through time, and Indy would see his other like adventures, 
like in the clouds he'd see like you know like temple of doom and last crusade and all that and and they'd like get like footage from like the young Indiana jones adventures and he'd be like whoa we're traveling through time like, i thought it would be just like that just those literal words like oh my god we're traveling through time i mean how many times can indiana jones say oh i don't believe in any of that mumbo jumbo like every single film he's like it's all fake i want to just see him be like oh my god time travel and just have a heart attack <laughs> yeah um oh my god yeah that was my favorite bit when they just go back to time from the shot of like you can see ships battling each other it's like there's something not right and then <laughs> the roman ships when you get like closer to it and one of the most satisfying things was that these were the nazis downfall because they were mm. just completely obsessed with this idea of the machine and time travel that they go back to the place where Archimedes created or got the idea of this time travel thing. I love that it was a closed loop as well. What they discover is that the dial can't take you through time. It can only take you back to that point. The dial wasn't a time travel device. It's a yeah. device that he wanted to use to get help from the future. It's not like you can go anywhere or any place. Like it takes you specifically to that point. And I really like that. That was a great twist. Yeah. Yeah. That. Like all all the Indiana Jones MacGuffins all don't do what you think they're gonna do. And that's what's so great about yeah. the series and the villains. Every villain dies because of their own hubris and their own thought of, you know, Belloc's like, yeah, I can control the power of God. And Molaram is like, yeah, I can worship Kali and Shiva won't be mad at me. And Donovan's like, oh, I can drink from the grail and I'll be fine. And Spalco's like, I can take aliens knowledge. And even in this one, you have Volo being like, I can travel through time. I can fix the war. And all of them get their demise from that. And what I love about this one is that this is the only Indiana Jones movie. The closest we get is Temple of Doom, but this is the only one where the villain dies because the hero, like Helena just shoots Fuller. Like, he doesn't die because, like, his head explodes or anything like that. He dies because she just shoots him and then the plane crashes. I kind of loved how brutal it was. Rightfully so, this movie doesn't hold back on murdering a bunch of Nazis. Mm. And it was it was very satisfying. Yeah, once you watched Inglorious Bastards, there was some similar vibes with that. But, I mean, the opening. Ah, oh, the opening to the film. I really liked that. I really liked the whole opening to the... And the de-aged Harrison Ford. It was almost, almost a bit jarring when you see a young version of Harrison Ford right there on screen. I wasn't huge on the de-aging. I didn't think... I thought, you know, in some shots it worked, but I think mostly it was a bit jarring. They could have done a real power play and cast Olden Aaron Reich to play the young Indiana Jones <laughs> for this bit. Like, obviously, I know that this is post Last Crusade, so he already looks like Harrison Ford. But yeah, yeah. it didn't work for me, that de-aging. I thought it was pretty good, actually. Yeah, this is our first time to disagree on something. It's a rare one, folks. Let it, it's a rare let it one. sink in. Yeah, I thought the opening was a great way to set up with the whole idea of the anti-Katira. I love the different action set pieces that we, we get a lot of nighttime stuff at the beginning. We've never really had any nighttime action sequences like that in Indiana Jones. So it's good this film keeps it fresh. I like the, the, whole, the whole train thing. And we have that chase sequence... I think the the direction, I just think that it's a shame that James Mangold is taking up the mantle of a franchise directed by Steven Spielberg because... 
his direction, it just doesn't really come close. And he's a good director, but when you compare this to the other Indiana Jones movies, I just think it looked a bit flat. I think the lighting and the color palette, it was comparatively really boring. And I just don't think that that aspect really did anything, especially when the other indie movies look amazing. Yeah, interesting. There was some direction in the story that was a bit, bit, bit weird. I know what you mean, but I don't think that really bothered me as much because good i mean it had the same elements as to crystal skull i mean the magic was there there was some really good action set pieces that was just so interesting what they've done with the modern day harrison ford and i wish there was some more era exploration of the 60s you know like what was happening at the time was it when the vietnam war was also starting as well yes was- there is even a part in the parade where there are people protesting it and saying stop yes. the war if anything yes. i think that might that's probably the war that mutt enlisted in and died in yes. the war started in 1955 so 55 if, that's it if yeah. anything it yeah. might have even started during crystal skull another thing that i think is interesting about this film is the side characters i really really liked helena i mean phoebe waller bridge you just can't go wrong with phoebe waller she's amazing and she almost has a mix of indy's arc in temple of doom where he learns that it's not all about fortune and glory and also mac in kingdom of the crystal skull who also has a similar idea of like being a double agent and only being about money i really liked her and like you know her growing bond with indy i thought that you know she was really great and really stands alongside the other female characters of the indiana jones franchise in a great way yeah i thought that she was a really good addition to the film I thought she really handled well with the emotional scenes, talking about not on that boat. And as an Enchanted fan, I love to explore in the games, you know, there's some lost cities or there's some lost treasure or something like that. And that's like the most exciting part about the Indiana Jones films. They even do the idea of El Dorado and the City of Gold in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, that was also in the first Enchanted game. I thought it was really interesting when they go into the cave of Dionysius in Greece. Yeah, and it was really interesting because I was reading a lot about Greek mythology. And I'm glad that they go into some mythology in the films. It kind of gave me a flashback to the Dionysium in Batman Endgame. And there was a massive battle between Apollo and Dionysius in Greek mythology. There was the idea of immortality with the Joker in that comic book, and Batman wanted to stop that idea. I, I haven't read the comic for a long time, but it kind of gave me that dynamic between Indy and Dutch Schmidt, because they were both invested in this time travel device, and they were clinging onto the past as well, but Indiana had to move on, so he was, you know, what I really like about the films. I mean, he was forced to move on. Um, it, yeah, him at the I mean, last minute when he's just like when he's just like I want to stay and she's like nope <laughs> he was delirious in that sense but definitely it, was. in that last scene he was talking about like are you really here what I really liked about those films is that there is heart Indy has this character arc that you get to see in the films because you know there's some action films that might not have character development this one definitely wasn't as emotional as I feel like something like Last Crusade was and I feel mm. like that is due to the part that when it comes to Mutt and Marion they don't really explore that part of the movie as much as they could have there's things like they, they put Salah in there why? I don't know just so he can be like oh we're old now 
Thanks for bringing me to America. Bye! Like, there's, there really is no reason for him to be there. But you also have, like, Antonio Banderas' character, who, you know, is, like, a like a good friend of Indy's. And I like that there's, there's connections to other things and allusions to other adventures. I thought that was really cool. And also there's the whole idea that, as you say, we're exploring Greek mythology this time and Greek history. I was worried when we found out that it was going to be Nazis again, that it was going to be just a repeat of before, but it wasn't. It was something different. Just like how, you know, we've got exploration of Christian mythology and then Hindu mythology and Spanish, I guess, with with El Dorado and that and like the Crystal Skull, that kind of thing. And yeah. then now here with here with Greek. I like that we're kind of, you know, going all over the place and that they're not doing the same thing twice. Even though I feel like a lot of this is positive, so much of it is nearly there for me. So much of it, I think, is almost great. And I just don't think it it passes that threshold. I think, like, you know, like, the CGI, I thought, was really disappointing. Like, it wasn't as bad as The Flash. Again, you know, to compare it to something really bad recently. Uh, 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 it wasn't that bad, but, like, I think all the, all of the four movies look better, practically, and in VFX. And they're decades older. Like, that is just disappointing to me. And John Williams' score... I didn't think it was that special in the slightest. I think it was his weakest score of the four. There's not a single piece of music that sticks out to me. There's no Grail theme or Short Rounds theme or Mutt's theme or the Crystal Skull theme. Like, none of that from the other movies on top of the Raiders theme did anything for me. The other movies all have new themes, new scores, new motifs that really stand out. This one, I just didn't think it did. And I have an email here from Samuel Masson, as ever. And he says, Hello there, Tom and John. I hope you're both doing well. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was something I was eagerly awaiting, a new movie to return the franchise back to where it belongs after Crystal Skull. And with James Mangold at the helm, I was excited. But the film was just okay. It had exciting moments, but just okay. The flashback scenes with Indy jumping around, beating up bad guys, and clinging to the top of the train was awesome, and it gave me a true Indiana Jones feeling. The effects looked pretty good too, and I loved it. And that was probably the most excited I was throughout the film, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> I wanted this film to do something different with Indy. Mangold was the director of Logan, one of the best comic book movies out there. And yet, Dial of Destiny felt a bit like Force Awakens, a remix of former movies. That works fine for Star Wars, as it's starting the franchise for a new generation. But this was the conclusion of Indy's story. I just wanted something a bit different, if you know what I mean. Another thing I didn't like is how Indy and Marion were separated at the start of the film, with divorce looming, and then by the end of the film, they're back together again. That's the third time it's happened in the franchise. <laughs> I get why it happens this time, much dying affected them both, which was an odd way to remove his character. But the whole Nate slash Elena on again, off again thing didn't work for me in this one. We've had ghosts, cults, crusade knights and holy grails, aliens and now time travel. I don't know if it was just me who had trouble wrapping my head around the time travel in this film. The setup and how it worked confused me a bit, and as of writing this email, I still can't figure it out. Maybe you guys can help out with explaining. Overall, Dial of Destiny wraps up the franchise in a bit of a lackluster fashion for me, and it's a shame that a bit more couldn't be done with it. To wrap up my email, I'd like to quickly give my rankings of the franchise. 5. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull 4. Okay. Dial of Destiny 3. Temple of Doom 2. Raiders of the Lost Ark 1. Last Crusade Thanks for ah. the pod, gentlemen. Keep up the good work. Take care, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. First things first. Good ranking right there. That's a really good rank. Earlier, you did say Last Crusade was your favorite. Mine too, as yeah. well. I would say that Crystal Skull is better than Dial of Destiny for me. Yeah, because... I think Dial of Destiny is my least favorite. Yeah. I mean, it had something there, but nah. Crystal Skull just has that Spielberg and Lucas magic. What they yeah. came up with together was just unparalleled. Yeah. Did you know that George Lucas wanted Steven Spielberg to direct The Phantom Menace? 
Oh no! Imagine really? that. Imagine being living in a world where Spielberg directed Star Wars. Oh, that's insane. That would be men- mental. They will have an argument. No, literally, George, <laughs> George Lucas and Steven it's Spielberg true. will have an argument because George Lucas is like, no, we need to put Jar Jar in this. Jar Jar <laughs> is such a crucial character. In He's this important. Thing, Steven. He's important, Stephen. <laughs> He's important. Yeah, you'll do everything in his power to get. Jar Jar Binks back. I'm a yeah. Jar Jar fan, what can I say? But, yeah. I mean, in terms of Sam's email, I agree that they're definitely, it did feel a little bit lackluster for me. I think there's a similar vibe to Force Awakens in the sense that it doesn't really do a whole lot new. It has that indie formula and mm. it doesn't really try to push that. And I don't know if it should have or if it shouldn't have. I think Sam definitely thinks that it should have been and that Mangold should have given something more like Logan, something more out of the box. I think that could have really worked. But at the same time, that also could have felt a bit derivative of Logan, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Mangold likes to finish things with characters. I mean, Logan and then now Indiana Jones. So it's interesting what he's trying to do with these characters and how to make a really cool send-off to the characters. But then again, there was so many send-off moments for Indiana, like in Crystal Skull and in this film as well. I, I feel like, okay, we got another one, but why do we need it? Why do we need another one? I guess I know it's for money, but for story-wise, it just feel, feels like that. It, it's just pointless, really. I just don't. I just don't believe we need another one. I agree. You can make an argument that there's no point doing anything after Last Crusade. Last Crusade has all the characters riding off into the sunset for this triumphant conclusion, and then Crystal Skull has Indy and Marion getting married. They get that happy ending, and then this movie has it again. And it's just like we don't need this. We really don't need a thousand endings yeah. for Indiana Jones. The first one was already good enough, and I, yeah, I agree. You begin to question what the point of was it yeah and then sam you did say that you were confused by the time travel of this film yeah it's not really a time travel device because it's just like it's only set to one point in time which is archimedes time and to go not back and forth but like it's only to go there in that point of time and it doesn't go anywhere else in the past or the future because it is only set to that greek period yeah as i said earlier it's a closed loop yeah everything that happened already happens which is why i think it's funny the idea that if indy had stayed that would have been part of history and so (laughs) indiana jones would have always existed before he was actually born it would have been like paradoxical and i love to imagine archaeologists and like a on like a dig they're digging up ruins and they just find like indy's hat and they're like what is this and then indiana jones comes and is like it's me you know the guy from the beginning of the last crusade the guy who Indiana Jones basically steals the entire look yeah. of, and he's wearing the hat. Yeah. He found the hat of, of old Indiana Jones. And that's the that's the sixth movie in the franchise. It's the tale of him, and it ends with him finding the cross, <laughs> and then young Indy. Oh my god, John. No, Tom, <laughs> please don't give him the ideas. Yes. Don't give him ideas. Lucas Tom. Film, call we me. Do this anymore. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so time travel, as you said, is a closed loop. So thank God we didn't get any confusing time travel things because some concepts of time travel are told differently or they Mm. are different in some 
aspects. So yeah, that's that's time travel, I guess. Unless you watch Doctor Who, that's the future. But here, yeah, yeah it's just a closed loop. Yeah, yeah. When, whenever you introduce time travel into a story, it gets complicated. And, <laughs> yeah, and thankfully, yeah. thankfully, there's there's never going to be any more time travel in the Jones. Even if they do make a sixth movie or whatever, there's not going to be any more time travel. They've done that already. But it's like when they introduce time travel to Star Wars, it just gets confusing. And wait, you know, oh yeah, I remember you telling me about yes. time travel. Yeah, um, so you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, but they introduce time travel, and it, you know, similar to Indiana Jones, it's not exactly time travel. It, it is more like a closed loop, but it still makes the rules of the universe a little bit more confusing. Okay, I'm not gonna ask <laughs> you the the time travel stuff. Don't worry, because... John. We've got Ahsoka coming out soon, and that'll that'll get us right into that can of worms. Oh, oh, really? Do you think it's gonna get involved with time travel? Yes, yes, I do. Oh man, okay, okay, because you need to tell me what the, <laughs> you're going to have this massive whiteboard, you're like, okay, John, yeah, <laughs> put your thinking caps on, we're going to uh, we're gonna tell I'm gonna you. I'm going to be like Christopher about... Nolan explaining Memento, just like with my whiteboard <laughs> okay. and my pen, and I'm like, okay, so here's the main timeline, and you're like, okay. And then you're just going to draw a different shape, it's going to be like, you know, what Christopher Nolan did with his like U-shape for the Memento timeline, you're going to have yes. it like a circle. <laughs> I'm going to draw a, a clover with it. It's just different <laughs> like timelines converging with every man. Yeah. It's like tenor. It's like a pincer movement, a temporal pincer movement. Oh my God. Yeah, we could oh, be talking uh, about time travel all day. We could just do another episode on time travel. Why not? But <laughs> anyway, I think that we're going to see how this goes because the movie's not looking like it's going to do too well financially. It had a $295 million budget estimated. Why? That's a, that's Why a is that so staggering crazy? amount of money. What did they spend um, it on? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, like, you know, if you think about marketing and stuff, this movie is going to have to make maybe 800 million to break even. And that's uh, that's going to be a tough ask. Apparently, it's it's projected to hit only at 140 million on opening weekend. I think we might be seeing a shift in blockbusters this year and last year. The things that were once big moneymakers aren't anymore. And I think that might be speaking to the industry and something like that. I think it's telling that the final line in an Indiana Jones movie ever is a reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think that says something. That <laughs> says something about the industry. That says something about the current landscape of Hollywood. The fact that the final thing we see is just quoting another movie. I think that things are going to change with this and with The Flash and with Transformers and with all the flops that we've been having recently. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen, but it might yeah. not be good. Yeah, and final thoughts on that as well for me. There wasn't a lot of advertisement for these massive blockbusters anymore, if you realise it, because it's summer blockbusters. I remember last year when Bullet Train got heavily advertised. I'm pretty sure that did well on the box office. Yeah, it's uh, getting a sequel. Yeah, true. And I really love that film. But in here, this is such a weird year so far. Because Warner Brothers or Disney or anything like that, like they're not really heavily promoting that. But like Spider-Verse, for example, that was promoting. Like literally, they knew they were doing with that. And now that's $500 million at the box office now. That is crazy. That is, you know, a massive success for animation right there. But it's a weird time right now for, you know, blockbusters. Like the, the films that we knew are not getting the money again the profit really so yeah i wish there was some great movies that we could see in 
earlier. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Indiana Jones was good. Barbie still was something, you know, to really look forward. I mean, we got Barbie. We got Oppenheimer. We got Mission yeah, we Impossible. Got... We'll be fine. We'll Hopefully be fine. we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Do go to the movies, though. The movies. Vin Diesel and Tom Cruise is insane. <laughs> it's weird. We're living in a weird time. We are. And, you know, I think the upcoming weeks, Mission Impossible, Barbie, Oppenheimer, they will be the test of what happens. But for now, we've got Indiana Jones. What are you going to give it out of 10? Seven. Cool. I'm going six. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you liked it and listening on YouTube, you can give us a like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, we're doing Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. And the less said about that movie, the better. <laughs> that ending to the Transformers. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. That's going to be... That's definitely a movie. Uh, and you can send us an email at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Transformers and ask us any questions. We will answer it right here on the podcast next week. And you can follow us on Instagram at AskTimeFilmPod to see our incredible thumbnails from Zayn Apsel. On Twitter for more thoughts from me and TikTok to see edited clips, which are also on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. And you can find links to all that in the description below. Thanks to L. Jones Mayer for the excellent theme and Ronan Phillips for vocals, as always. And I think that's everything. Yes, that's everything. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.